0: Hey peeps, welcome back to the Growth Lab podcast. I'm your host Matt Harris, and I run the Growth Lab a Lead Generation Consultancy for cleaning businesses. In today's episode, I chat with Louise Treehorn, owner of Helpful Home Cleaning Service and founding director of the Domestic Cleaning Business Network. Louise started Helpful Home in 2010 and has grown into the largest cleaning company in sale by focusing on providing a great value regular cleaning service. In 2019, Louise was one of the founding directors launched the Domestic Cleaning Business Network, a trade association. Association and membership organization that supports cleaning business owners as they grow their businesses by providing resources including training on health and safety, accounting, sales, and recruitment. In this episode, we talk about why systemizing your business is important for scaling and how focusing on providing one cleaning service has helped Louise grow her business and charge premium prices, how to recruit new cleaners and creating the right job advert for your business, keeping a database of cleaners and training your cleaners consistently in order to provide a great cleaning service, developing a a four-day onboarding process for new staff and why training is important, Recording data, tracking KPIs and how to maintain cleaning standards and starting the DCBN in a service station with a mission of increasing the floor price of the domestic cleaning industry. For weekly tips on lead generation and insights on the most successful strategies, tools and tactics to help grow your cleaning business, sign up for the Growth Lab newsletter via the link in the episode description. You ready? Let's dive in. hi guys welcome back to the growth lab podcast i'm very happy to welcome louise trehan to the show louise rather than me giving you a big old intro why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started with your cleaning business
1: thanks matt lovely to see you (laughs) so my cleaning business started when i was pregnant back in 2009 it's amazing for anyone that starts out in cleaning you're working in beautiful houses if you do domestic beautiful houses i was working with people that are like well became my friends oh, it's the best way of life ever. And then you start taking on stuff and it starts growing and you've got all these hopes and dreams that your business is going to grow bigger and then it starts getting really hard and then you want to (laughs) quit. I went through all of this and I'm sure- In the first
0: year, right? In the first year? do
1: you know? No, the first year was quite exciting. You could deal with it. It's when it's still going on in year three, four, five and you're going, when does this get easier? And it's like, I find it really interesting now working with other business owners And they're nailing it in two years. And I was in there like five, six years in going, when's it going to get easier? So it is nice now that they're just getting there so much faster than I did.
0: And um, why do you think that is?
1: I think when I was growing, I grew in complete isolation. So I was like a small cleaning business owner in my local area. And I remember phoning other cleaning business owners. And um, we had a problem, which would be quite familiar, in that one of my staff left early happens all the time we'll all know that Mm -hmm. and um I phoned them up and I said you know what, what do you do you must have this problem and they were like and who are you again why should I help you and I was like come on, I'm going to find out the answer anyway, let's work together. And it turned out that maybe that's not the best approach to take with your competitors. So they didn't want to be my friend, which was a bit sad. Um some of them did in the end. And and I think now the difference is there's much more of a community atmosphere and people do share knowledge. And whereas I was having to think through problems and get stressed and deal with it. Now it's just here's the answer on a plate. And you know, it's solved within the hour. Whereas, you know, even as, as much as Star leaving early it took like a week to really work out what to do and then to get the processes in place and then the documentation that they had to sign to say they wouldn't leave early and then all the things you put in place it just took forever
0: I guess there's there's a lot of you know online resources that are available obviously YouTube I know uh, will touch on the DCBN as well uh, which started a couple of years ago and that is is a massively valuable resource Uh, but you're right I think there is just access to so much more information now. Even if you know people aren't open to knowledge sharing, there's there's people who are happy to sort of share their story and say, you know, look, this is how I did it. So learn from that, and that's part of what this podcast is about, right? So just learning from other people's experience. So just going back to when you started. So you've got um, a, a residential cleaning business, right?
1: Yes. Well, I tried to keep it residential because, obviously, as I said, I was pregnant. I had young children all the way through growing it. I wanted for me, it's all about work-life balance. And there's no point in running a business if you then don't get to enjoy your children. What is the point of working 12, 15 hours a day to make more money? Yes, I can see the point of doing that. (laughs) I chose not to do that. I always chose to keep my business a bit smaller. I probably know a definitely limited growth of my own business because I always, to me, it was more important to have that work-life balance. And I forgot what the question was. No, but, no, I, mean, I just said, so
0: you've got a, a resi cleaning business. So how yeah. how did you go about, like, winning your, your first client?
1: Oh, my goodness. So you remember this was a long time ago, Gumtree. So oh, back wow. then, Gumtree was free. So this was, was a long really time free. ago, yeah. and I took on my first customer at seven pounds an hour, um, which all of you will be cringing at. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. Inflation's happened since then. Yeah. So and at the time, ten pounds an hour was an all right price. I think I was up at twelve pounds an hour within about six months because I yeah. quickly realised the error of my ways. So it was it was Gumtree that started me off. Social media, although Facebook and things had existed it wasn't like it is now um, and yeah. now you would just go straight on facebook or instagram even tiktok not quite as effective whereas back then it was gumtree
0: yeah gumtree i remember using gumtree you need to dig around a little bit and did you post adverts on gumtree as well did you
1: did. Like, refresh did. Regularly. My, yeah my two pound adverts yeah and um, got chatting to people yeah it worked and then like a lot of businesses it's word of mouth so probably because i was charging seven pounds an hour gosh my name got it rippled around there i had leaflets and so i put those up in the tescos and the sainsbury's and and leaflet drops now i would not touch any of those i'd go straight for advertising online and doing search engine optimization and those kind of things but back then that's just not an option when you first start out
0: when i i started my cleaning business i did the same thing flyers we did some leaflets um definitely gumtree uh, and then mostly emails as well didn't really factor in any seo or paid advertising or anything until much later on but okay so you started with gumtree and then how how is like your customer acquisition for one of a better expression how has that evolved over time now like from where you started to what do you do today to to We nuke business?
1: So this is always slightly an embarrassing one to uh, answer this one because um, obviously I support a lot of businesses with the DCBN and when they first start out it's all about social media. While I do have businesses that exist purely on social media, I've got to say my own cleaning company, we barely touch social media Um, and so all my work comes either from recommendations or we, well we were top of Google, we dropped down a bit when we stopped doing it over the pandemic. So we got to the top of Google and we stayed there. So while I was managing the website quite regularly, it was all search engine optimization, staying up to date, keeping the best information on there. And we just have leads pouring in through and it just comes in through email and we just add them to a waiting list and we pick and choose which ones we take. Yeah,
0: so- I had a look at I had a look at um your your website, and I like the the setup that you've got in terms of the three packages that you offer to clients. With your waiting list, how long is your waiting list, <laughs> and how often um, do you allow new clients onto the service list?
1: So it, it was during pandemic time; it got to over one hundred and twenty people on our waiting list. Now it's down. I think at the moment we're down only about twenty-five or thirty. And what we're doing at the moment is. I so I still do a lot of the quotes or nearly all the quotes So what happens is we open it up for one week so we'll email the top 20 let them book in a slot if they want to they might have found another cleaner by them and I'll do all the quotes in one week and then I won't touch it again for another eight weeks Okay. so we basically use it like a bucket we fill it up then I do all the quotes in one go and then yeah. they get it gradually booked in over the next eight weeks and then once they've all been booked in we've cleared all our slots we'll then let the next lot in uh,
0: the majority of um the people on the waiting list are they looking for like regular you know weekly bi-weekly twice a week sort of cleaning
1: so we still only do uh regular weekly cleaning because we're quite open and we say look you'll be waiting six to eight weeks for us so if you want a one-off clean they're not going to wait for us and I think one of the things people forget about is actually there's a lot of business planning that goes into businesses and people go, well, why don't you do like uh, builders cleans or deep cleans or estate agency cleans Um, because you can make more money and you can. The problem that I've always had with that is the real money in the cleaning business comes from scale. It's about scaling your business. And when you're trying to scale one off cleans, it's really hard to scale that business so for me, it was always about regular cleans. I wanted regular cleans and I wanted a business that was really scalable because my eye was always on the bottom line. So yeah. even though it was slightly more profit per hour, it was a lot less effort to have regular work. Yeah. So nice. I guess they're all regular.
0: And I guess by just focusing on the regular clean as well, you've kind of niched yourself, right? This, this is the one thing that we do or th- the main thing that we do that we're sort of known for. And if people want that service and they want the best in in the area, because I, I know I can see from a couple of blog posts that you've won awards locally and then they're going to come to you. Right.
1: Yeah. And I think it's quite interesting. I always find it quite interesting talking about like when you say best in the area. Thank you. I'd love to think yeah. we were.
0: Um, <laughs> people always
1: go, you know, why are you the best? Why should I pay your rates? Why should I do that? And I'm kind of like look, this is going to sound really awful, but to be one of the best in the cleaning industry, I just have to deliver what it says on the tin. This is what we deliver. And, and you mentioned we have three packages. Most people go for our silver package, standard package. And I'm like, look, this is what we deliver. We deliver it day in, day out. We do it really, really well. No, you're not going to get the bells and whistles. We literally just deliver the same thing every day and we do it well to a great quality. And that's enough to sell it. That sounds really terrible, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: No, no, that's that's good. I mean, you do what you say on the tin, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what people want. It's the consistency in the service. How have you managed to build up that consistency over time, especially as you've grown the business in terms of, you know, recruiting staff, training staff, that sort of thing? What, How, how have you managed to keep a, a handle on that?
1: So this is what makes businesses scalable. It's the training and the quality systems. And if you look at sort of some of the businesses that haven't done so well, when you've seen the big players really start to enter the domestic market, Like Amazon tried to get in and they fail based on quality. It's really hard to have a robust quality system in the domestic industry. So we developed a really stringent training system. I now have a training manager. A good few years ago, we started with training videos, which at the time was revolutionary. Now loads of people deliver training videos. That's that's kind of what's done. That's brilliant. It's so easy to do your own. Now we've written out the syllabus for the training. Obviously, it helps. We've done joint as the DCBM. We've produce joint uh, training courses with um, the British Institute of Clean Science on training Absolutely. staff. So, of course, I'm going to take all that knowledge back to my own business and go, right, let's take that and let's improve it and use it in my own business. So, now my training managers are really good, really well trained. Ooh. And we now expect someone from the moment they start with us within four days, they should be up to speed, up to quality. And and that's really hard going. It used to take us a month when we first started to get people wow. to the standard, And that's pretty normal in the domestic industry. Like, and even experienced people, I'd still expect a good two, three weeks. So the fact that we can now get there in four days, we're going, wow.
0: Yeah. How, how have you done that? I've spoken with, Uh, a few business owners and they generally sort of say you know two weeks maybe three in terms of the onboarding process and then going out for a test clean and getting feedback and you know making sure that they understand the training program and all that kind of thing you know how how have you gone from, from a month to four days that's awesome
1: So first of all, you have to systemize your entire business. So as I said, we deliver one clean. So my staff don't have to learn loads and loads of different things. They just deliver one clean, no matter what the house is, no matter what the circumstances, they deliver the same thing. Every lounge is done the same way. Every kitchen's done the same way. No matter what the customer wants, if they want a variation, go with a different company, which makes it easier because they're not training five or six different processes. And we do this on deep cleans. Well, we don't do deep cleans. So- You get a first time clean and that's it. And then what we realized is that when you're trying to train people, so I think as business owners, we all focus on money, money, money. And when people are training, we're aware that they cost us money. So what happens is we go out into a house and we go, Well, you know, I can't just stand here watching them. I better clean as well. And so you, as the trainer, are then half watching them, or they're stood <laughs> watching you. And can I just say nobody learns by standing there watching you? Mm. It doesn't work, and that's what happens on most training at best. You do what we used to do. you watch a video, then you'll watch an expert, and then you've got to do it. Well, what I realised quite some time ago is that doesn't work. That is what happens in the whole training industry, in in the cleaning industry. So what we realised is actually, By stopping that process and realizing that cleaning on the job is not a good learning environment and shadowing someone not dedicated just to teaching you doesn't work. So then we said, right, we'll bring it back in house. We brought it back into the office. I've got a fair size office Mm -hmm. and we could do the training in the office. And we said, all right the first day we will just teach them every skill and they're gonna get hands on and they've got to perform every part of the skill. So before we even take them into a house, they can do every part of it so that they're not lacking in confidence, they're never stood there going, I wonder what to do. So by the time I put them in a bathroom on day two, they know exactly every little part of it. They practiced in our office. Then they've got their laminated sheet with their steps one to 15. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how many steps are on it. All they're going to do is look at that, which means that from my trainer's point of view, she's not trying to sit, stand in a cramped bathroom with somebody. And people learn better and faster.
0: And so- how how do you continue that training? Once they've gone through the four-day process, do you have like, you know, continuous professional development? Is there like a recap? Do you have toolbox sessions every month or you know every quarter whatever the case may be
1: so we have um they meet every morning at nine o'clock and to run through what's on their day so you can't see it behind me because i I'll looks like I'm in a lounge. Lovely, um, lounge. Really up, really <laughs> up on the wall. And if we need to talk about a specific like toolbox talk, so that might go off, there's something specific for that day, or we would have a trend for that week. So it's a series of slides. If um, something new came in, they'd have to sign for it and train on it. Um, but we also have, uh, my training manager also has a very robust quality system. So she would go in and we do every cleaner would be expected to be checked on twice minimum twice to three times a month and what yeah. we start to do is build up data and once you've got data you can do things about it so if you there's no point in going to a cleaner and saying oh you missed the plug hole and that cleaner go oh oh whoops did i and you go yes you did could you go back and do it and then they're like, oh, you know, why are you always picking on me? And they always say, oh, I was just about to do it. You will have heard every excuse under the <laughs> oh, all of this. Right. So we listen to these, and guess what? They weren't just about to do it. But you can't stand there and argue it when you're in a house. So what we realised when we said, right, we hit them with data. So you sit down and you go, right, on four out of the last ten uh, jobs, you missed the plug hole. They suddenly go, oh. Right, right. Well, I better do something about it. So then it's sit down. And it's it's building in a structured way of checking and learning. Um, so it's not just constant nitpicking at them that they'll remember for two days. If you sit down and give them the data, they will actually improve and do something about it.
0: And when you focus on like improve, you know, say throughout the month, there's maybe three areas that they are consistently missing will you focus on one area at a time to make sure that they improve that area first? Or will you like roll them up into, I guess, one correction and say, look, these are the three areas. Like recap in terms of the training that you need to do here and here. And make sure that, you know, you implement that in the in the next month going forward so that, you know, we can get your, your quality checks back up to...
1: If, if I was finding three areas, something's going a bit wrong. <laughs> like, I wouldn't <laughs> expect to find three. But if I was finding three areas, um, yeah. I would be going, well, what's the underlying cause here? Because three is a lot of areas to be consistently going wrong on. So I would be going, well, what's the underlying cause? Are you being disorganised? And actually, you know, and that's the most common one, actually you're approaching this entire clean completely wrong if you are disorganized about clean then you're not being systemic which means you're missing three areas so would i tackle all three i if i had three i'd look for the underlying cause if i had three and we were tackling the underlying cause you'd probably find those three would get fixed from that i don't know i don't have three at once <laughs> normally yeah, <I'm> <laughs> an underlying cause.
0: it's to itself right which is <laughs> the process is pretty robust
1: and normally there would be, the underlying cause might be something's going on at home or, you know, my child's not sleeping. And and so actually when you drill down, the, they don't suddenly turn into bad cleaners. That's yeah. just not what happens. So there's a reason that, you know, to get to the standard that they were at in our company, they will have already had to have met so many parameters and standards. So for three to go wrong at once, there's something big going on behind the scenes.
0: How do you like maintain, I guess, um, you know, the collaborative environment within within the business? You mentioned having uh, the cleaners meet every morning, is that right?
1: Every morning, you have, sounds like, like a lot, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. so, so it sounds like a lot. We don't have a big meeting. But what they would do is they come into their office. We actually have them arrive anytime between 8:30 and 9.15, depending on, you know, school pickups, or drop-off, whatever sure. they're doing. Um they all work in pairs and they would meet. We have whoever is the manager for that day would then meet them, say hi, they pick up the kit from the office, they pick up their few keys for the day, they pick up their notes on their houses. Generally mm. they know the houses better than we do, so they tell us which makes our lives easier. Um, And then they would set off. So they might only be in the office for a total of five minutes. Um, But we set up teas and coffees. Some of them like to sit and have teas and coffees. We've got, you know, Greg's across the road. They'll have a bacon butty so they have a chat and and it's quite nice for them they like to get in early and have a chat they don't want to run straight off
0: yeah no, that's quite nice and how do you collect the data you mentioned collect- collecting the the data points how what's the process for that and what do you use is there is it app-based do you use feedback cards I don't know what
1: we have the full range so yes we have feedback cards uh but really feedback cards are when it's it's really going wrong. Um, <laughs> we do, yeah, so we leave a feedback card after every single clean. Um, and the reason we do that is a customer quite often they don't want to complain. So by doing feedback cards, what they'll do is write when there's a little niggle and they don't want to get the staff into trouble. So they'll leave you a little bit of feedback. And so we do do that. But you know, as well as I do, customers don't like to say anything. So by the yeah. time they say something that problems, pretty endemic. Um, it's been going on a while and it's happened all over the place. And actually, when you look back, you probably had cancellations over that problem long before. Yeah. Um, so that I would expect the quality manager to pick up on these. So she obviously has, well, we have an app and we have paper. Sometimes it can be a bit dubious as to whether the iPad works, (laughs) um, so sometimes she does it on paper and it will come back and be put on the computer. And she just has a rating system for how she would rate the quality of the clean. Okay. Um, and she would break it down and write any specific notes.
0: And so just taking a step back before people train, like how how have you found recruiting to grow your business? Because that is, you know, two of the most common challenges that I've come across is either finding more clients or finding more cleaners. How have you managed So it's it's always a seesaw, isn't it? It's
1: one or the other. It's either customers or cleaners. Um, It's hard. I would say um, recruitment's always hard. We're quite lucky in that um where we live is a very high population density. So yeah. there are quite a few people around. That being said, trying to find the calibre of people. We don't just want cleaners. We want good people with customer service. We want them representing us. I want them only to work the hours we work. They've got to want exactly what we deliver because, as I said, we only work very set hours. We only deliver one thing. So they sort of absolutely must fit into our box. So um, sometimes i've been there screaming at the other director going for goodness sake could we not work slightly different hours for <laughs> people that wanted full-time hours and so in terms of recruitment though it's constantly thinking outside the box so we've got uh, leaflets up in all the local shops saying you know we're looking if you want a job um it's on all the facebook we work with the job center we work with other okay. job agencies so that's can be really good the agencies that want to get people into work yeah. obviously Indeed. I mean, we talk about this, we train on this. So little tricks, like if you're going to advertise on Indeed and you've saturated your area because you've been advertising there for two or three years or 10, Mm -hmm. um, starting to advertise in slightly different areas and then you start to get slightly different candidates. How you advertise on social media, what we've realized is you cannot just whack out your classic job advert. It's about engaging with people and engaging in quite a different way. Um, I've tried all kinds of things being witty, funny. I even tried being dirty on some, but
0: it didn't work any better.
1: <laughs> Don't bother. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of jokes you can make about cleaners. I did it. Good
0: Classic. And do you build like do you build a, a database? You know, do you when People apply for the roles that you're advertising for. Do you add them into a database and just, you know, um, send emails out every month, every couple of months, just, you know, giving them an update as to availability or that sort of thing? Or or is it just when you post, you're posting to fill a role there and then?
1: Well, the role seems to constantly exist. If I'm really honest, <laughs> I guess I'm posting to fill a role there, but you know, it's always there. Um, shouldn't say that. like, well, so we built, our, so we wrote all our own systems. Um, sure, so we, cool. of course, have a database. Uh, we have a, a, a really good our recruitment database. So you put someone in. So we would have someone, let's say, apply on Indeed we would then pull their data off indeed. And then they run through, we have an automated system, so they have to fill in a form and then it automatically sends out the telephone invites. And then if that goes well, it automatically sends out the face-to-face invites and then it automatically sends out the contract. So, so our recruitment in terms of the admin side now is very, very small, which is great. So as long as we can get enough people into the funnel to start our recruitment process, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Over the years, obviously, When I was doing it on Indeed, it had a database for us and it used to allow you to download every applicant into an Excel or a CSV or Excel file. And just before they stopped it, I downloaded every applicant from the last eight years. So I had a whopping great big database. They don't allow you to do that anymore, I don't believe. Do you know?
0: All right. I I don't
1: know. So I built my database, um, which then made it a lot easier. To be fair, when you've been recruiting in the same area as long as we have, most people mm. have kind of heard of us. So, yeah, the trick to recruitment is basically just do a lot of it
0: consistently,
1: that's, yeah,
0: not yeah. in fits and starts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot of it, you know, how you do it, it's going to work, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Um, yeah, but
1: do, do you not think the problem with recruitment is the motivation it can be really demoralizing when you've worked 20 hours that week trying to recruit and at the end of it you've got no one honestly when you say fits and yeah, starts, i'd take a few days off at that point and go well it's not working anyway what's the point of me doing it
0: i know it, it was it was always the biggest the biggest thing I, I think even more so than finding new clients i found was was the recruitment aspect especially when the whole brexit thing was going on like there was a, a noticeable shift from Uh, one year to the next where you know we had maybe 50 or 60 percent less applicants through all of our efforts and that you know that has a significant impact right and then like you said you do have to start thinking outside the box and looking at other avenues to to finding you know staff or maybe even working with um contractors because we did a lot of commercial cleans but yeah i think the the recruitment aspect you know if you've got a solid System set up, which I guess you've developed over over time, then it it does kind of help. It, it won't always answer your problems, but at least you've got you've got a, a reasonable comfort blanket to make sure that you can do it consistently, right?
1: Yeah, I think I think the system helps in that the system for me, the hardest thing about running a business is it's very emotional. I don't know if you find this. It's quite hard. It's it's ups and downs. It's roller coasters. So by having the system, you know that you've got to enter in X amount of new applicants per week. And there's no emotion in that. You just have to get the people going in there. Then they run through the system. So you're not succeeding or failing. They are just going through the system. And I think for business owners, there is a very big, am I, am I doing it right? Am I succeeding? Am I failing? So the more we can just make it data, 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 if your system works and it works consistently, then... You, if you're not getting upset about it, then you're not spending a lot of unnecessary thinking time on it, and that's yeah. what really works for me about the system
0: um so let's switch up a little bit so you mentioned um that uh, a large proportion of your growth has come from recommendations so what what does the the customer service element look like? I know obviously the the training aspect and you want to deliver consistently. But what, where do you go like above and beyond for for customers in terms of, you know, making them feel valued and getting them to buy into the business and that kind of thing? Like what, what sort of steps do you take in that respect?
1: Do you know, I don't think we do. Um...
0: (laughs) You just deliver (laughs) consistently what you say on the tin. That's it. And they're happy with it.
1: So if they had a little niggle, let's say. No, I don't think we do. I think. You know, if you think you're going above and beyond, then you're probably not doing it right. You know, we just do good customer service. So for example, um, if there was the slightest inkling something was going wrong, then again, you are just going to follow the system. So they're going to get a phone call. They're going to find out what's wrong. There's a set list of um, solutions. So if it was just, oh, you know, you missed a little bit of skirting board, right. Would you like a discount for that? Or would you like our training managers to go round? We can send the cleaners back. So we just know everything, just deliver it consistently there's not a lot of thought that goes into it I don't think we go above and beyond they're just set systems but nobody has to worry about it and so we have a no quibble policy so if something's broken we'll fix it we'll never question it now I say we'll never question it. Normally, <laughs> the cups and glasses and things. So we just go, oh, oh someone go to Tesco then. And, um, or it's like if a product, like I say, a spray bottle's left, the staff, because the kits are checked every night, will realize the spray bottle was left. We go straight to the staff. Whose was it left around? They'll leave it. That customer gets an email straight away. And then somebody's round to pick it up. Because we work in a three-mile radius, and we've got at least 10 teams out every day, someone will just pick it up. We're on that street probably the next day. So everything's just systemized so people don't think they get an exceptional level of service in that I don't think we give that real personal level of service
0: Sure.
1: but sure. we give a really consistent solid level of service yeah. you know yeah. you're not going to get one person treated significantly better than another but the whole lot will get treated well
0: and I guess so. that's that's where that's where that's the value where lies, lies right, right. um
1: yeah, I think when it was me that was running all the customer service, you know, I got really personally involved and I loved mm. it and I'd go it's easy and do that, right?
0: Easy. <laughs> yeah.
1: But now because in terms of my involvement with customer service, we sit down in the morning and we have a, a meeting with all the managers and I get it run past me and I hear what's going on and we just talk about what are we going to do with this one, what we're going to do with that one. So it's just, you know, the same thing just comes up every time and, and you deal with them.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So I've read on your website that you've started to do a little bit of commercial. Is that right? How did so, you transition into well, that?
1: Well, I wouldn't say I've transitioned. We've always done a bit of commercial. So it, do you know what? It depends what your class is commercial, doesn't it? I mean, it's not like this is domestic and this is commercial because some people will class working for after builders as commercial. Mm-hmm. And whereas I'm going, well, that's kind of in a domestic setting. We do do offices. I've done factories. We've done uh, sale sharks like rugby club, but it doesn't really change that much. And I think, to me it bugs me a little bit how people go this is domestic and this is commercial and in Mm -hmm. commercial you need to have done and you need to have done all these standards and you just done that and i'm going you need to do it in domestic so we do do commercial i like to work nine to three but we do have some outside those hours and i and i have some people that just do outside those hours so um but to me i don't have a big enough commercial team and so when one goes off it's annoying because i have to cover and i don't really like doing that Um, (laughs) but, but there isn't a lot of difference. Like when we do dentists and doctor's surgeries, you know, if they want a doctor surgery, we had a dentist that was done for two hours at lunch, Well, one hour with two staff every lunchtime. It's exactly the same policies and procedures as domestic. So yeah. we already have infection control. And I think people sort of are a bit slapdash sometimes when they start out in domestic and actually to do it properly, you have to have as good a standards as commercial. So For me, there isn't the same differentiation that I think some people would say there is.
0: Okay. Have you had to, like, I guess, tweak your training a little bit to incorporate the the different type of spaces that you're going to be cleaning in commercial? I know there's still bathrooms, there's still going to be kitchen, but cleaning... Uh, an open plan office for example or in a factory setting i mean that's that's a little bit different from cleaning a house
1: so yeah so in a factory setting you know if they have to wear high vis and they're specialist things then yes you would only have two staff trained on that so it is a little bit different but yeah. in all honesty a, an open plan office um i mean they're trained on touch points which they have to know about the chemicals are virtually the same so we use a commercial range of chemicals anyway so the chemicals are identical that they're trained on what's different Ooh. What what would you train staff on in a commercial open plan office?
0: There's going to be a lot more sort of internal glass. There's going to be waste management. uh, There's going to be different types of flooring and machines that you can. So so we have
1: internal glass. We have, we already empty bins and things. So so what's different? (laughs) I feel like I'm putting you on the spot here. No, no.
0: I think the the difference is the size. So a two-man team, if you're, I don't know how big of a commercial space you're cleaning, for example, but you know, if you're cleaning like a three or four floor office, then the setup is going to be a little bit different from a two-man team going into, you know, a five-bed house, for example. The facilities are going to be pretty much the same. You know, toilets, kitchens, they're all the same. Waste management, there's going to be, maybe they'll be a little bit different because you've got, you know, council-run stuff and then you're going to have private waste collectors. Yeah, I would look at the floors for, for sure. But there's high level variety,
1: this far bigger dra- variety, in a house so they've got to be good on pretty much all flooring time and then when it comes to desks again loads of people work from home so we're doing home offices anyway yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's all interesting i find when people talk about this big difference and actually when you break it down you go what is the difference i think th- the difference that i see with business owners is in terms of the scale a lot of people have their house done once a week for two three mm-hmm. four hours however often with commercial like i know one of our commercials is two hours a night every night yeah so of course the big difference with a cleaning business owner with commercial is obviously they've got a lot less customers so in terms of the management it is a lot easier because you've got a lot less to deal with but in terms of the actual clean it's in it's so much easier i think with commercial because you've just got less variety in the settings
0: and also you're not dealing with um i guess customers personal space either right so that (laughs) it <laughs> plays a big difference in in feedback.
1: But the downside of that is it's boring. Like when I am <laughs> in the same office and I have to cover it, it's two hours a night every night, and no one's there. And I'm there from seven till nine, and I'm like I'm really excited for the first five days. By week two, I'm going, oh come on, <laughs> move a glass a bit more, someone. This is dark. and you've got to hoover the same area and you. It's like being a robot. You go through it. So whereas at least in domestic, and the other thing with domestic, you get appreciated a lot more. So in terms yeah. of staff motivation, art's oh, lovely. But in terms of sort of, so they are different. I think I feel like I put you on the spot a bit there. They are no, no, different. Fine. I can I can see that. But in terms of the training for staff, there's in my mind domestic is a lot harder. So when we put domestic on commercial jobs, domestic staff on commercial jobs, they get bored out of their mind. They don't like want to clean desks all day mm. but it but it, it's easier and it's physically easier as well
0: yeah it's true so um look one thing you mentioned uh, a few times was the dcbn and obviously the the training facilities through that and um, do you want to explain a little bit more about what the dcbn is how it got set up and how you managed to get involved in that
1: yes so we started in october 2019 I think we first well, we first met uh, it was myself Diane Greenwood and Cremena met in a service station on I think 162 over to Leeds um, And we're all good
0: association star in a service <laughs> station
1: and um, they were available and they had worked in a trade association for domestic cleaning previously so I approached them and I was like let's do it let's set it up and they were like no Louise it's really hard work and I was like come on like people need us like the industry needs some more support and someone representing them and someone fighting for some of the causes that you know none of us want to take on individually um and eventually, they sort of got ground down and agreed to meet with me. And um, I remember being sat with them when we discussed a lot of the problems in the industry, things like there are cleaners charging 10 pounds an hour, how do you fight against those? And we're not getting represented uh, the VAT situation for domestic cleaning is just ridiculous. Mm. And things like that. And I remember sort of sitting there and I felt a bit like a Evita where these are all the problems, Louise, you go off and solve them. And I was like, I can't solve these problems. How do I stop an entire industry undercharging? How do I, you know, start tackling that and and you know I had about a list of 10 problems and I remember one of the things that we started to do with the undercharging problem we looked at why people were undercharging and part of people didn't understand the costs involved in cleaning and some people didn't have the confidence. Um, and those were sort of the two main issues. So we went, right, how do we get them to understand the costs? And we tried preaching at them. And we tried telling them and sort of banging them on over the head with the answers, you know, mm. metaphorically, on, on <laughs> um, social media. And they got annoyed. And I got kicked out of a few groups telling them that they were wrong and you can't charge oh, £10 an hour. Turns out it gets quite a few people's backs up. So <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Um, So then I produced a solar cleaner spreadsheet. So for a lot of people that run cleaning businesses, they they often don't like numbers. So we got a spreadsheet and I broke down every cost. So at the time, it was costing 20p per wash for washing cloths. And we were going through um, literally breaking it down to that level of detail. Mm. So every cost. And it would automatically work out what they were earning per hour. I think, did it cover their break-even? It might not cover the break-even point. I think I put it in there, but then took it out because sure. it was a bit too complex. Um, but we gave them all the figures and the data they needed so they, so they knew exactly what their profit margins were. And so then instead of getting into arguments with people, we would say things like, well, if you can fill in this spreadsheet and you can send us a screenshot where you're making more than minimum wage, Will back down, and mm. today nobody has managed to clean at ten pounds an hour. Given that minimum wage is about to hit ten forty two, no yeah. one has actually sent me the screenshot saying I can make minimum wage and. And that really started getting people thinking. And what we realized was actually, if you want to change hearts and minds and thoughts, it had to come from data and it had to come from the individuals wanting to change because shouting at them wasn't working. The DCBN, I I was lucky that we had quite a good platform. We had a really good group of people um, that really believed in changing the industry and making it a fairer playing field. And I think a lot of people were sick of seeing America charging their $50 an hour Mm. and we were struggling to charge 15. And it's interesting now, as minimum wage is hitting 1042, you know, for a a cleaning company and domestic cleaning, you are looking at charging 25 plus VAT. So it's £30 an hour. And that's what it's going to have to be now. We are approaching really uh, copying and learning from the US and starting to approach their, their levels and their wages. Because I, I think when you start looking at the numbers you we can't keep delivering at the kind of rates we were there was a real culture in the UK that cleaners shouldn't be paid that much and mm last 10 years that's changed massively
0: yeah that is very true and is that um so the the spreadsheet or the calculator is that available on the DCBM website
1: yep so we put it in if you go on the DCBM website we have free resources the solar cleaner spreadsheet is in the free resources uh along with a couple of other things i'll have to pull it off i don't know what's in there i don't know yeah, no, that's
0: fine that's fine we'll <laughs> stick we'll stick the link in the show notes anyway so that's cool
1: so there are there are all the most important things are in there in free resources you've got templates I think on some of the most common things you need. But if you want the proper contracts, unfortunately, well, no, I say unfortunately, we've now we it was membership only. So you'd have to sign up for membership. Because what we didn't want to do is just give people the information and not give the training and things to support it. Yeah. So we used to have membership and we'd um, keep rolling out training. And if you do sign up as a member, you get a massive document library or your contracts your mm. contracts of services whatever you need just about everything you need yeah um, and a massive library of video training how to raise your prices how to quote uh, telephone quoting video quoting and um, health and safety how to deal with holiday pay the list goes on wow. there's so many in there Um, but then what we've realized that some people just wanted the contracts so we have now started you can go on the online shop and just buy the cleaning contracts okay because what we wanted was actually if we want the whole industry to improve some people don't want to sign up for regular membership payments so we yeah. said all right here you go you can buy it your way costs slightly more if you do it that way I will yeah, say membership yeah. is cheaper but yeah. um but if you want to just buy the document packs um at least then people have got the documents and if you buy it from us for a hundred pounds it's a lot cheaper you're going to get all your contracts for a hundred pounds rather than going to a solicitor or peninsula um or yeah. anything like that where it's going to cost you significantly more so nice. yeah That's so good. and how many <laughs> members
0: how many members strong are you guys now three or three and a half nearly four years in
1: um so in terms of members we've got 300 in our core membership and then we have various facebook groups where again we provide limited support i think at the moment the family of that's over where if you add them all together we're talking about Ten over ten thousand, um, oh, wow. but in our main Facebook groups um, for the free support, there are like three thousand people. So yes, yeah, nice. lots of support out there.
0: Yeah, nice. So yeah, that's that's a really valuable resource, and definitely I'll, I'll stick the links to the free Facebook group and the um, and the resources site as well uh, in the show notes. So that would be super handy. So look, uh, Louise, I know we've been talking for just over forty minutes. I've got a couple more questions before we start to wrap Go things then. up. The first one is. With your experience over the last sort of 12, 13 years, what's what's one lesson that your business has taught you that you think other cleaning business owners should learn?
1: When I started my business, I was on my own. And then I've always said it was about work life balance. And my husband had a dream of running, running his own cleaning business. And yeah. um, so he came to join me maybe three, maybe four years in. I, I don't know. But we've worked together for a long time. And Working with my partner has been the hardest thing <laughs> in the world because if you make a mistake and um, when you're on your own, you might beat yourself up a little bit, but generally you'll get over it. Whereas I'll do things and I'll be like, Yeah, I did really well. And my husband will go, No, you didn't. Or do you think you could have done this a little bit better? I'm like, Don't you think it wasn't it okay? Or um, if you did something wrong, he, he wasn't all sympathetic and nice to me. He'd go, Well, this is how you should do it next time. And so I was really lucky in that, in that after I sort of finished rebelling against it and hating (laughs) it, and I actually took it on board, it was like having, you know, that little helper on on your shoulder. So for me, I think a lot of people are so hung up on running their own cleaning business and not accepting help and support from other people because they want to prove that they can do it themselves. Mm. But accepting support doesn't mean you're not doing it yourself. It just makes the journey easier. And um, I think if I'd yeah. not fought with him quite as much as I'd fought with him, the whole thing would have just been just just nicer. So that would be my lesson. Just accept support from your yeah. nearest and dearest.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree to that. I think it, it took me a good three, four, maybe even five years to kind of accept any support. Because like you said, I was head down. I can do it all myself. It's fine. And actually you know having a team for one but having a support at home just makes the whole thing a whole not not easier but more manageable right because you can you can just bounce ideas off or even you know just have a rant as and when you need to so yeah i, I second that for sure
1: yeah um, and i wouldn't call it delegating because when you work with your partner you can never <laughs> <do> it. <laughs> it's very subtly and nicely asked and i think it very much um you know it, it, you just learn from the people around you so yes yeah for sure
0: and one more question before we go uh, into the quick fire round what what's one decision that um, you took in your business that had the biggest impact on on your growth
1: not sure it's a good impact on our growth so i've talked all the way through about having a very standardized product very Mm. standardized i will say that has restricted our growth quite a lot so we always focused on having the very best quality it meant we hadn't grown as much so but the the plus side of that is in terms of prices we can charge an absolute premium because we do chart we do provide a really good quality despite me saying our customer services aren't above and beyond it is a really good quality for what we deliver so I think a lot of people focus on growth 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 and they're not looking at the bottom line Mm. so if your plan is to grow and become you know a hundred people strong and and not make much off each people then that's one business route to go down Um, but what a lot of people do is find that they can't manage more than 10 to 15 people particularly in domestic and they're going well I'm hardly making any money and so my advice on growth is remember what you're growing and just growing a team isn't really growth. The only thing that matters is the bottom line. And you can do that without having a massive team would be
0: yeah.
1: my thoughts on growth.
0: Cool. And look, I'm going to ask you um, one quick fire question, which is what are the three non-negotiable skills that you think have been essential to growing your cleaning business?
1: Ah, uh, it's got to be. So I think of business like a game So it's just like a big game of Monopoly. It's kind of remembering that, let's be honest, right? Cleaning's not that important. It's not life or death, (laughs) right? If you mess up, you mess up. So my number one skill is just remember that it's just cleaning, you know? Let's not take ourselves too seriously. I do take it very seriously, but at the same time, when it comes down to it, it's just cleaning, and the other thing is you're totally replaceable, or you should be totally replaceable. So yeah, it's, it's kind of an attitude of it's just a game and play around with your business. So when there's different options, just play with different options. Try one, two, three. Swap it around. Keep it exciting. So yeah, that's one. Okay, what's another skill? Uh, yeah, no. Nice. <laughs>
0: Go on, you can do two more.
1: Um, okay, so resilience. It's hard. It's hard. If it's not hard, you're not really trying. Uh, you're not pushing yourself. It's hard. Yeah. You might feel like you're failing. You're not doing well enough. You look at your friends and they're doing something different. Um, you know, what starts off as a dream quickly becomes a nightmare. So resilience and sticking at it no matter what. And third skill, loving people and remembering it's fun. And uh, even recruitment, sales, recruitment, enjoying it.
0: Yeah, I think I'm I'd also it. add, as you've demonstrated quite well in this episode, is is systemizing, right? Having processes and really focusing on that in terms of you know providing a good foundation for for your business. Whether you're looking to grow it to hundred people plus or you know, whether you're just looking to maintain it at whatever size it is now. I think having sort of standard processes where you don't even have to think, you know, things just happen because you've already thought about them, you've put the right infrastructure in place for it to get executed. I think that that in itself is is massively valuable and it's certainly something that i did not learn straight away it took a while to kind of start implementing and even then i, I don't feel that I, I did it massively well but you know you you learn from those experiences right and you, and you kind of implement it going forward
1: yeah you learn and you keep going i can't keep doing the same mistake <laughs> it's got to be at some point mm-hmm. you know or there's a point where you're sending out the same email and e- email and then you go right well i'll template it and then you go oh, it's really annoying that i'm sending out this template what can I do to develop? So I just press a button so it goes out mm. um, and then you start to automate and this is where it gets really exciting with like Zapier or if you're using Microsoft Power Automate. So I love it. This is up your street, isn't it? You love a yeah, it, it, it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Um, cool. Look, Louise, thank you very much for your time. We've been going nearly an hour and um, where can people find out more about you online? What's the best place to get in touch?
1: The DCBN, just www.dcbn, Facebook, uh, TikTok, instagram you can go
0: well, on all the socials you can you do on the lot. <laughs>
1: yeah uh, you can just connect with me personally at louise traherne um anywhere you want really we're on the whole lot so Cool. Uh, just look at
0: DCDN. Perfect. Well, look, Louise. Thank you very much for your time. it was a really great episode, and um, hopefully, we can do this again soon.
1: Thank you, Matt. Lovely speaking thanks to
0: you. Thanks, Louise, for joining us on the Growth Like podcast, and thanks to you guys for listening. You can access the show notes and additional resources via the link in the episode description. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others who you think will find it useful across social media or leave a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Underscore Matt Harris that's M A double double to catch all the latest from the growth lab and how to generate more contract opportunities for your cleaning business. See you next time and remember if your cleaning business isn't growing, it's dying.